Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back to Buzzers. You're watching the after show for Queen Sugar, Season 4, Episode 10, Oh My Mare, where tonight we talk Nova and Charlie Heel, the men bond, and Darla confronts her past. Stay tuned for more. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Welcome, Queen Sugar fans. We are back for an all-new after show for what was an exciting episode. Wow, completely eye-opening. But again, my name is Shaka Smith. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Miss Candy Marie, who you've seen on AfterBuzz several times. Uh, we've got Don Terra Terrell and Miss Thelma. How you doing? And Bezway Daniel. How you guys doing? Good. Well, how are you? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. What a what an episode. We had uh, quite the emotional roller coaster we as we, we watched. Right. Which is no um, surprise. <laughs> so but before we get into it, guys, we're going to have our news, our predictions, and our big easy scene where we give you a little bit of flavor of life in New Orleans, but we got to get into it. What were your guys' overall thoughts of this very heavy episode? Uh, I feel like there were definitely a lot of conversations, um, a lot of lessons that I think uh, that our, our writers always do a really good job of. We spoke about a lot of uh, very serious issues, this episode trauma and social issues. I think they did a really great job um, creating uh, conversations and articulating that for the viewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, every episode I'm always, like, my mind is always blown yeah. about how the writers just keep going into the complexes and nuances and just the overall various dynamics of the human experience. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I think every every week it just takes me a little further. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I think this episode, like many Queen Sugar episodes, actually brought something different. I think this was the episode, like the defining, or along the lines of the defining episode of the season. I think like this, like I think we just know when we saw everything that happened today, people were really, really having to dig deep and kind of confront themselves. So it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for for me, at every level, that it was a constant reminder that this is reality. You're they're, they're really kind of lowering that veil between what's real and what's mm. not. Because I'm watching, I'm like, this feels like I'm watching someone's life. Just right. the different things that were taking place in this episode. Um, but uh, we're going to talk about Nova and Charlie healing. This is some of the positives of this, ep- of this episode. What did you guys think about them coming together and then realizing that maybe they don't know each other quite as well? Them? I think that's very true to sister relationships. There's a certain place you have to get to where you make a conscious decision to be more than siblings. And I think like that's when you really dig deep and begin to realize so much of yourselves and see each other outside of being family and get to know like who that person really is. So I think those things are necessary. I know I have a sister. I think it's something that we all go through if you kind of have siblings or you might be you know able to relate to. Now I'm gonna bring the crazy now. I'm going to bring the crazy. See, we got things dropping. That's how you know it's about to be about to shake some things that would have what I'm about to say. Okay, so I was like, okay, she's taking her to these woods, right? <laughs> she's about to haul off and smack. No, but somebody's finally about to do it. I was like, she took her out to these woods. It's the perfect opportunity. Nobody's there to save her. She can beat her as badly as she wants. Okay, well, that's what we all expected, even yeah. though that's not what happened. But um, that would have been refreshing. But uh, I, I just want to say that I felt the buildup. I felt the tension. She asked the questions that 
that a lot of us wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. We've been waiting to hear. We've been waiting for for them to actually uh, tackle these these situations face on. For example, how did y'all feel about when she mentioned Remy and Nova's mm-hmm. response? That's when she should have got slapped. Yeah. That's when she should have got slapped, right? I, I think that's I when she that's realized. Yeah. That, I think that moment was when she realized who she was dealing with. Because it's one of those situations where, like, if I tell you that we're looking at a gray wall, you say, no, it's blue. I'm just like, you know, we're not even going into the conversation. Yeah. And I think that that was a shocking moment for her because the way Nova reacted was, you know, I just wanted to test the boundaries. The, the way she had rationalized her behavior and her actions and almost to a point where you're thinking and you're mm-hmm. almost gaslighted or greenlighted into, like, kind of, like, asking yourself, am I looking at it wrong? Mm. No, she's crazy and she's yeah. selfish. Right. So I think that's when she really understood the depths of her own her own issues. And, yeah. and, and you know what else? And this is something that I've learned uh, just through dealing with some of my own personal traumas as well. I think that uh, through um, understanding comes healing. I think sometimes you just have to take a step back and you have to understand why that person is the way that they are because for so long we can try and force somebody to understand our point of view and how badly they hurt us and where we came from. But sometimes you have to just sit back and listen to them and understand how their mind works and why they sometimes do the things that they do and and through that it's like okay wow now I see you now I understand you Mm -hmm. now I know why you are the way that you are a prime example who would have thought that Nova would have held on to what happened at that party years ago like and Charlie had no idea she even felt that way and and I think it's not just understanding it's also Nova taking full responsibility Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like I I read a long time ago some study that when people cut you off but if they wave at you to kind of signal they're sorry, that you, your anger level goes way down. And it was that moment when Charlie asked her, you know, are you someone that just, you know, says, I'll ask for forgiveness later, not for permission? And Noah says, well, that's a flaw inside me that I need to correct. And it was almost as if, if it had been any other response, Charlie might have hit her. <laughs> and I felt that. I felt that, like, I almost wanted Charlie to hit her until I got that response. Wait, Shaka, like, you wanted her to get to that? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I really wanted Noah to live in this ownership of what she had done wrong, and she seems to be there, and she and she continually does live in that ownership. She's not, like, pulling back. But, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like with everyone um, throughout the episode, everyone's sort of reaching their breaking point, mm-hmm. and, you know, to get to healing and understanding. I feel like um, with the sister, the sisterhood that was involved with Charlie and Nova, it's sort of like, okay, I see you, I understand you, and you know what? I'm not going to argue, I'm not going to negate your feelings, your feelings are valid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also, you were feeling this way, and I was feeling this way. Yeah. I feel like I have uh, three older sisters, I'm the youngest, and there's like a huge age, uh, age gap. And as we've gotten older, like, I don't see them. I see them as my sisters, but I also see them as women. Like, I see what they go through on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now I understand, you know, mm-hmm. why you used to react this way when I did certain things, or why you were overprotective, or why you were, yeah. you were this way or that way. Now I get it. I understand it. But I'm at an age now where it's not just us being sisters, but we're friends, and we're also women. Yeah. And, and sometimes we forget we bring baggage into a situation, because Nova thinking that she was taking her to places she couldn't afford, when she was thinking, I'm taking you to places to that I'm going to cover Ooh. and that I want to make you see that was part of the baggage you bring into that thinking always having that feeling that you're inferior but I also think that it's really interesting the way that this is all played out because mm-hmm. they've been quite intentional about not even like naming it as blame because at so many moments you see the reflection also hit Charlie because mm-hmm. I think that I somewhat disagree like that she's necessarily sitting in any ownership because she did verbatim say you know it was my fault but I, I used to blame myself or something along those lines yeah. and then I started to blame you so there is somewhat just different perspectives to go around so right. I don't think that it's even like 
more in a blame like I think it's definitely blame but it's definitely also a moment for both of them to realize we see the world based on our own history our own biography and we saw those two things very differently yeah but but I I, I didn't agree with it because she said you know it wasn't my fault or your fault it was just the way things are and I didn't agree with that I don't think it was just the way things are I think Nova came in and as Nova said she said you know I, for some reason I felt inferior to you and I think she came in with that feeling mm. because she wouldn't have felt oh you're taking me places I can't afford she didn't come in with that maybe yeah. subconsciously well, she felt that yeah. even though she thought yeah. she wasn't portraying that but in the back of her mind it was always whereas another individual might have been like oh so grateful you're taking me to these places and right. I'm well, to this see is this. the thing yeah. they come from two totally different worlds and I think today we, we really saw that we yeah. really saw that they come from two different worlds um Nova never, and I think it, it was very clear in that moment that never Nova had never really experienced that before, and she didn't know how to take it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, are you like trying to show this stuff off to me? Are you trying to like make me feel yeah. this way? So like, when you're in, being introduced to something for the first time, and you're completely ignorant in, in how to act, how to like how to interact with these people, like she said it herself, uh, all your friends were like uh, Ralph Lauren models. Yeah. You know, I, I think that was such a great visual, um, and, and especially coming from where she came from, she came from a small town. Yeah. You know, in Louisiana, and you know, so it's just like I think the the writers did a really great job of really getting us to see both of their perspectives. And in my opinion, none of their perspectives were wrong. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah you, I was going to say this actually speaks to another point that I brought up earlier in the season that when you speak of the black experience, it's not a linear experience. Mm-mm. It's very, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. So Nova had a different experience. Charlie has a different experience. Yeah. We all on this panel have different experiences. Yeah. So I love the fact that the writers and Ava are digging into the fact that the black experience. It's so broad, it's so vast, it's not just a linear experience. Yeah. And you also see that come into play when Darla is confronted with her friend and she really has to dive yes. back into the yeah. past, you know, and you kind of see pockets of that come up as well. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Especially with how she looked, you know, like the way she's sitting there, you know, she's dressed nicely. They went to Georgetown. Yeah. Like, I had no idea, I mean, excuse me for my ignorance, that she went to Georgetown. Like, that's <laughs> a huge party school, so I think that even creates an even uh, more vivid image for us of what she was probably experiencing. And, I mean, not to mention, like, at these parties, there was a lot of uh, uh, um, people, women getting drugged. That's the first thing I thought was, Maybe she's a victim of, of you know, yeah. of rape. Death, absolutely. She got drugged. She had no idea. She thought she was out with, with some friends having fun, and maybe they slipped something into her drink. Yeah. You know, and that's a hard pill to swallow when you discover that. You're like, okay, I'm going out to have fun, innocent fun with my friends. Yeah, we're getting high. Everybody's doing it. But you don't think that somebody's going to drug you and then take you back and have sex with you without your consent. Yeah, it's it's one of those issues that I think we'll all be talking about uh, afterwards. And I think hopefully we can have some discussions that are productive uh, on our channel. So if you guys could leave some comments, I think Dante will give you a, a word or two about that. Well, uh, <laughs> I, don't know I, I definitely you know that you guys need to always stay tuned in with us. You know that you can follow us on YouTube. You can definitely subscribe, comment, and like us, of course, and we'll be sure to give you some love. We, You can also listen to us on Spotify and iTunes. Five-star rating, please. And we'll be sure to shout you out in the comments. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and we we also got some scenes this episode of the men bonding, which we, didn't, we haven't seen too many of them hanging out together as well. So we got Blue and Micah, but of course that didn't end as well as we wanted it to end initially. Um, what did you guys think about that real world, you know, turn your back and the kid is gone? To me that, that kind of just hit like, oh wow, we're really in this real life mm-hmm. world where things could happen and, you know, Micah just didn't know what was, what was going on. 
Uh, it definitely reminded us of how quickly things can happen and also another day of what it means to be a black man in our society. Uh, for me, um, even though... It was very, it was a very interesting moment because I felt instantly I felt afraid because I, I could tell that Michael was going to react the way that he did. And then this police officer, you know, initially he wasn't trying to, you know, do anything bad. He was literally saw this kid that was lost. Let me put him in the back of our of a police car. But as black people, we're like, oh, why you got to put the little boy in the back of the police car? Why he couldn't sit in the passenger seat? Keep, we came you know to the, the like, They kind of came one too with our own buttons too, right? Why he couldn't just stand next to you? Why you got to put the little black boy? So it's just like. When I thought about Ra's reaction, that was one of the first things that I thought. Like, you put my son in the backseat of a police car. And then I also uh, looked at Micah's reaction, and, and Micah is still traumatized. He still has PTSD. And, of course, the police officer, again, he's a white male police officer. He he doesn't understand, first of all, what it's like to be a black man, and, two, what it's like to be a black man that has been in a traumatizing situation with other men that look like him. And, but and I, so, I think what actually concerns me that you say that is their reaction actions informing Blue's reaction because mm-hmm. Blue's reaction was actually really positive like he got to he was so excited he got to sit in the back of the police car until he started to see how everyone else was reacting mm-hmm. uh, Dontero what do you think about how he might be taking this moment in who Blue yeah well I feel like we witnessed how he took the moment yeah. when he said oh I sat in the back of the police car but it was not good Pops. <laughs> you know? yeah. so I feel like I feel like initially he was probably like oh this is cool but he saw that live action. Yeah. He, he was faced with reality. I felt like Blue was learning a life lesson very yeah. early on. Yeah. And now he's like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't right. That's actually, that's my cousin. Like, why are you so aggressive with him? Yeah. Um, for no reason. Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. Because, because he was, the police officer was very reactive yeah, yeah. to the situation. Well, but you would have expected Blue to say something like, <laughs> Blue was awfully like silent in that moment. I feel like moment. he was in shock. Yeah. He's, he's a baby. He's he a baby. Was, he was still, yes. Yeah, I agree with you, Jacques. I was like, it. he could have said, said something. something. I think we all but was I, like, Blue, if you don't know, damn yeah. <laughs> You left without letting an adult know. Are you kidding? You should have let me know that you were going to the other. Like you need to communicate. Okay, I'm gonna play devil's advocate. I feel like Blue is still a little boy. He's still processing. Yes, he's a baby. He's still seven. Eight, probably. Yeah, yeah. Nine. And, and he also said the police officer put his hand on the gun. You know, he put his hand on the gun. Everybody saw that. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Well, and I understand. And here's like I understand the biases that we bring, but. If you're going to claim a child, maybe Micah should have taken out his ID. What? But, no, but, wait, he, he said, that's my cousin, and Blue is quiet. So Blue's not saying a word. So show me, show me your yeah. ID to claim this child. But at, a, at what point did we see you ask his name? Like, you, I probably, if I asked you right now, you would probably call him little boy. What's his last name? What are you checking? Mm-hmm. And that's not the way you communicate. I think the, I, I, and he judged him. He, he judged, judged him. He saw the dreads. He, he saw reactive. the young black boy. He saw the chain. He would, saw would a stereotypical you, black man in his opinion. So, being what, aggressive. Me, in his being opinion. aggressive. Let, in his well, let me ask you this. Would not you not, fear. Would yeah. you not want a police officer to ask someone else who's picking up a lost child for their ID? But if he, if Michael was someone else... He would have, in my opinion, handled it differently. We see it. We see it happen every single day on the news, you know, where there is a, a, a white male that goes in and shoots up a theater of people. And how is it possible oh. that he walks out alive? Wait, 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 like, wait, wait. I, I don't put those two situations yeah, together. Though. Hold on, a police officer asking for the type of like aggression that is used. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's the difference. The aggression. A, a lot of times, um, like for example, we've also seen. 
memes or, or videos of, of judges getting out the car screaming at police officers. I'm, People handle you differently um, by how you look. No, uh, agreed. In this particular case, though, if Mike had presented his ID to pick up the child, it was there would have been that, no issue. Even before, even before they got to that point, you could already tell that, like the way the way that he looked at him initially, you could already tell he was already I, judging Micah. I thought Micah looked. That's at, what I, I thought. thought. Micah looked at the cop like he judged him I, I, well before the cop looked at him that I way. Think, I think they he saw, both did. They both had their own interpretation of, of young black men and he yeah. has interpretation of police officers. So I think they both stepped into the situation triggers, with that. Triggering yeah. triggers. Yes. Agree, but in that moment, shouldn't you then provide the ID to the police officer? You have to recognize not... I agree. I mean, I mean, I mean he, now, you still have to play by the rules. I think there are certain situations where your morality and your integrity require you don't. But I think in this particular situation... Asking for the ID for someone to pick up a child seems reasonable. It okay. So so Michael wasn't supposed to react the way that he did when he saw his his uh, cousin in the backseat of, of a police car. Yeah, that's where his emotion came from. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was just like it freaked him out. You yeah. know, he remembered no, no, his experience yeah. and it was just like, no, not again. But yeah. that also goes back to I feel like what a lot of black families, black mothers and fathers are trying to teach their young black boys. When if, if you approach a police officer or a police officer approach you, just comply. Oh, yeah, comply. So, <laughs> I love the fact that Micah was all about his rights and was like, what did I do? Why yeah. do you need to see ID? But, I get it. Yeah. But I feel like the, the state, you know, that we're yeah. in right now in America, yeah. just comply because I, I just want you to get home yeah, safe. Yeah, don't lose At the end of the day, yeah. I just want you yeah. and Blues to be home safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think that's some of the, the tension that we face is, but we can push that after you get home safe and then we can go look at the procedures and what they did and, and, and how we can, you know, but if it's your life on the line and then we got to preserve that too. I, I can think, agree with that. I think that was just another good example of the but, traumas that yeah. black men face in our country. Yeah. You know, he still has not healed from those wounds yeah. and there's a lot of healing that still needs to take place. Yeah. And I, like, like honestly, in order for him to be able to just easily comply, he needs to heal from that trauma. Well, he needs and to be self-aware. He hasn't done that. Yeah. yeah, he has to be self-aware, but I mean, I think that just the way he's, his behavior has changed throughout this season, the, the the type of Michael that he has become has also been a result of the trauma that he's experienced. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it takes time. It takes time. Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, but we we got to get to the big moment of this um, entire episode, and that was, of course, Darla confronting her past. And you know, we see it from the very beginning with Jordan. <laughs> we were, we had so many conjectures as to who this Jordan character would be, but it looks like there was a a reveal that she couldn't remember the second guy. Uh, what did you guys feel about the way? Um, and I asked it to you, Thelma. Darla has processed this from no memory to now rape. I think this was a very powerful episode because I think it's such um, a situation that we almost don't blink an eye to because we've either heard of it or it's just something that can very much happen. Like you said, we're very much confronting the real world. But at the same time, I loved the way every moment was like, her actually advocating for herself in that moment whether she knew it or not especially and that was so displayed when Anvai came to get her and it's just that moment of like you can't be more disappointed in me than I am in myself and she didn't do it in a way that was so obvious it just came out in the way she said I can walk Yeah, like it was just those little moments that just made me kind of feel like dang like we are here but the way she handled it was interesting for me but bringing it to what she realized I think that she's still gonna have to like know where she wants to go with it 
and I don't know where her. This, this I guess, this is what's bringing her and Raw back together. Yeah, and thank God for Aunt Vi because because uh, Darla could have gone the other way and said, "Well, I'm so broken, I'm going to continue to break myself." But w- what did you think of Don Terry about Aunt Vi? Kind of, I guess, actually coming to a little bit of her own healing in this in this too. That was a very you know touching moment. Yeah. Um, also, just kudos to Aunt Vi because I feel like Aunt Aunt Vi is not even really in the presence of of Darla like that you know yeah, we yeah. are but her mom is so like unaware and ignorant to what her daughter is going through you know even when she called her was like, I saw I saw your best friend my favorite one and Darla she couldn't even read the tone and the difference in her voice like oh wait what she's here like yeah. why is she here because truth be told Jordan, her name. She's not a good friend. Yeah. She's she's not that friend you want around your daughter. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Exactly. Especially with Darla, what she's going through. Yeah, at um, least if you're a parent in the know. Yeah. Right, and that's something for the parents to know. But they're just so oblivious yeah. to you know what's going on in their own child's life. She's pretty much suffering in silence. So thank God for Aunt Vi. Yeah. And I feel like it was a healing moment for not just Darla but Aunt Vi. Yeah. You know, getting stuff, getting that weight off her shoulders as yeah. well. And my favorite, you know, see Aunt Vi running through it. I was like, oh, it's going to fit the songs. I was like, yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, Absolutely. I'm just going to say, I'm going to go back to a point that I made at the beginning of this broadcast. Um, Through understanding comes healing. Uh, I think that for so long we've even uh, seen Vi keep Darla at a distance. So I I didn't expect for these two characters to share this common ground together. I think I appreciate the writers for creating that moment, for having... Vi sit down with her because Vi has been struggling with her own personal PTSDs and her own personal demons and um, to see her be there with Darla because we all, my heart broke when I saw her sit at that bar and and take that first drink and she raised her finger and said another and another and another to the point that we all started to lose count so I think that um, that scene was probably one of the most powerful scenes of Queen Sugar since this show has been out Um, I think that it it shows uh, understanding on a whole nother level for, for Vi to be able to open up and to reveal uh, a type of trauma that happens in, in marriage, you know, domestic situations every single day because there are so many conversations where you think that, okay, well, because I'm married, can this really be something? So yeah. that's another conversation that we can now talk about, you know, for her to open up and to be this matriarch of the family and somebody that, you know, has kept Darla at a distance because Darla was kind of innocent seen as like the enemy mm-hmm. for her to bring her back in. And, and then for, for raw to come in the way that he did, you know, this was what we've been waiting for. It's yeah. what we've been hoping for was for, for Darla to get that support that she deserved. And we were able to see that tonight. So it was beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, I love seeing that that Aunt Vi, and I don't know if Aunt Vi expected to go through healing, but it was almost you could see her going Ooh, through a sort on. of healing as she was helping uh, helping Dara. Yeah. Yes, but I feel like we all we all agree to this moment when Aunt Vi said, "The truth is a light." I feel yeah. like oh, come that's on, to every single she, one of us. She had a said. Nova moment that yes. we, <laughs> an, an earned Nova moment, not a come stolen on. Nova right. moment. Yes. Uh, but I, I got to play a little bit, not even devil's advocate to me, um, because. I was a little bit, as a male, that how it went from I don't remember to I believe this was rape now. Uh, for me, let me ask you this. Would we be surprised if, let's say, this other guy um, came back next episode and had a flashback? And he, he, he said, oh, I remember what happened that night. And he accuses Darla of rape. And wants to prosecute. Nothing surprises me in Queen Sugar. Like, no, no. honestly, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Like, if anything, I feel like that would make sense. It would make sense for him to mysteriously show up because if she is going to face 
these perpetrators, especially now that she is claiming rape, now comes the next step, which is, uh, you know, they need to pay for it. No, no. What if they show up? And Well, the reason why they might show up is because she's going to confront them. You know, like... like no, no, what if they show up and ac- to accuse her of rape? Of raping I think them. he's saying, like, what if, from wait, a different wait, perspective. Huh? Uh, and wait, I understand yeah, exactly yeah, what you're saying. What if he's saying, what if he's saying, what if What if the next episode, Jace comes back and says, I too don't have no memory of the night, but I just last night had a I just had a flashback of the night when you guys brought it, or whenever it was brought up. No, no, wait, hold on. This is a real. We have to actually take this. This is really. And we're going to take it seriously from one side. We should take it seriously from the other side. If he too does, has no memory of the night and you know f- through a conversation has a flashback and says wait Darla raped me and he comes back to accuse her of rape well there were two men there so you're saying that the guy and Darla both raped him like that's and that's that's why I gotta shut this conversation down I gotta shut this conversation why wait wait <laughs> if a female takes advantage of a male who is intoxicated and he doesn't remember, and he's on drugs. Is that not, not but also right? But that's not the storyline. The storyline exactly. is she also doesn't remember, so they both are messed up. You're assuming that he doesn't remember. So, so we're not at I'm, predictions. I'm this is that. a prediction. No, 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 not a prediction, but I, I feel like we're coming at this as if this guy took advantage of her. We don't know that because she has no memory of the night. We, we and don't that's a prime example of someone so taking advantage have, of you. If you can't remember, you're in the person. But what if the other person but you also have has no memory? I feel like as though we're not... Okay, we didn't just arrive at this moment. Nicole is the one there was a witness somebody even so said to the point there. of to the tune of you know you guys gave us some sort of a show before you were dragged not taken not walked dragged into the bedroom those were the words or something along those lines were I, the words that she used so I think in that part it definitely gives context because I'm pretty sure if she starts to dig there will be more, more people who were there and there's witnesses. no but shouldn't we be mm-hmm. digging before we call it rape if she has fair, no memory of it fair but she's not calling it rape to the world she's calling it if she's, a woman she's coming to a realization within point herself blank is point blank point blank and if she's too yeah. What no. if neither party gave consent? Dude, that's no. not that. No, that's no, no, not, no, 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 no. Doing He's a man. She's happening. a small, petite woman. I don't care what we, nobody say. I'm sorry, okay, Shaka, but I gotta agree to disagree with you on this one. You do agree when a woman does not consent, point blank. There's no question. What if the man does not consent, point blank? Okay, fair. But in this situation, we know. I'm just. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying, from what we just saw in this episode, it was brought to our attention yeah. that she was unwilling, unwillingly taken into this room and then she discovers there was somebody else so this is not something that she just slept one night decided or like it didn't happen that way and even if it she did no and even if it did it's something what's kind of taken a pause because she it is coming to a realization she, of what happened to her but the realization seriously just based on Jordan's words in this coffee shop or wherever it is but do you think it's not she, based on she's not even saying oh you reminded me of she, she still has it, no recollection and she's just going based on what Jordan said. It, to, to me, it, without doing some more investigation on her own, and she knowing the name of this person, especially she starts to put it out that Jace was this guy, and I believe he raped me. I think that we is, don't even know if, she's if she knows or doesn't well, know that well, person. She's, well, we're to the point she's calling it rape, and we know the point she's got the guy's name. First of all, okay. what she's doing so, right now is she is bringing this to her family so that she can get help, so she can deal with her own healing. That's what's happening right that, now. Yes, we we are talking about Darla's healing. They had, this has, you know what? Screw Jace or whoever the hell this guy. 
guy I, is. I, I, it's not about him right now. Right now, it's Darla dealing with these demons. She's facing what really happened to her. She just broke her sobriety. She is broken. I just don't know if you can't. I don't know if you can say if I don't remember the night I didn't get good. So, we don't know wait, if you said that. Question, Why is it so hard for you to, Shaka, to wrap your hand because she, because she doesn't remember. She, she doesn't remember if she said to someone yes and appeared to be coherent at the time she said it. Can you? Do you think it's possible for somebody? It's a yes or no. Oh, to black out on a pair of hair, hundred percent. Okay, yeah. so if at that, since on that premise, I feel like everything we just said was like, if you can believe that somebody can black out and not remember, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. So you just said you believe that. So there's a way that for her to know that she didn't, it, that she blacked out, but no, no, it did yeah, happen. I think you can black out, but at the, the the time or period you blacked out for, you could you were coherent and appeared to be fine. But still, no, I, but we're talking about no, no, from no. her purview. We're not talking about. Like in no, general, no, I mean from her, I, I'm just saying. In college, I had a lot of friends that drank a lot. I drank a lot, and there were times when my friends could not remember the night before whatsoever. But at the time, I was like, "You were completely coherent." I would, I would, I would have never known mm. you. You weren't. You were blackout drunk. That's I would have true. never known. No clue. That's fair. So she could have given complete consent, appeared coherent, and so I, that's why I'm saying, why wouldn't she? I'm just saying, I think part of the process. She needs to investigate more rather than making the leap and then calling in Raw to go through this trauma. But that's also still a process, though. That yeah. is still a process, yeah. and she deserves to heal at her own pace. Okay, so right now we're talking about I'm Darla dealing with this trauma, dealing with what happened to her, and she got to deal with that first before she Fair before enough. she get there. Fair enough, but I think she's dealing with it without. I think she's dealing with it now as a rape rather than investigating whether or not that. Now, did she but technically say rape? Did she say rape? She didn't say it, She was about to say I don't think she ever said she, the yeah. words. But I feel like yeah. it could also go back to But I'm said the words, so you know. Took, it, took advantage of her. I feel like that, that's what the word that they kept using. No, no, we don't, have, have, to, we don't have to we don't have to dance around what it is. No, 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 like, I'm not saying that, but I'm just trying to get the lingo right. So Yeah, no. To me, it's 100% rape if she did not give consent, but we've just made this leap from not remembering to I didn't give consent, which I don't think is always... or. I don't but, think it's necessarily the case. Well, you know, the great thing That's is that we have tons of people that are watching us right now, and it looks like they are weighing in in the comments. The comments have been going <laughs> off. Um, so yeah, as you can see, this is a very important conversation. It's Definitely, a conversation yeah. that, you know, needs to be had. So I'm glad that we're so invested in it right now because yeah. it's it's viewed in so many different ways. But the most important thing is that if you are a victim and you have experienced that, then you get the healing and the support that you need so that you can get through that. Because, man, I, I have friends, you know, my mother was a victim of rape. Um, you know, where she had some traumatic things happen to her. And I have tons of friends who've experienced it, and nobody deserves to ever experience anything so ugly like that. And and to your point, I was going to say, I do actually have a few friends in college who were coherent or you would never uh, know. and you would never know but they woke up the next yeah. morning and they were like oh, what, what the hell yeah. happened I had and, right but very traumatic still dealing with it to this day yeah. and I've been out of college for 10 plus yeah. not 10 plus <laughs> but I've been out of college for a little while now so <laughs> once upon a time <laughs> once upon a time but it's still something and they're like I did not give consent I don't yeah. even remember I just remember waking up butt naked and I was like what happened yeah. and, and yeah. I do and I do want to say that men can be victims of sexual assault too I, fe- I feel true. like you know as men it just gets completely discounted so so, you know, I think men have a voice too in this conversation. So hopefully, and I do, I, and I do, I do agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I just don't feel like in this particular conversation right now. I, I think we don't know, but we'll see. Okay, but, um, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but we got to get to our news and our predictions. But let's get to our news. Right yes, away. you know, and and one of the great things. <laughs> TV news. The one of the great things about uh, about this show is, again, you know, 
we talk about a lot of issues, you know, trauma and social issues, and that's what this episode was about. And um, one of the great things that Ava DuVernay, as well as the staff of Queen Sugar, uh, they're actually planning talks in the community, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, Queen Sugar Talks, to be exact, is the hashtag and the name of a conversation that was created and that was showcased um, before today's episode. Uh, you know, Don, um, Own TV, and a few of the other cast members, um, they participated in this conversation by sharing it on their social media pages. Uh, some of the people that were part of this conversation, I'm just simply looking on Instagram, so if you guys have your phones in front of you, pull out your phones and um, and you can go to Dawn, uh, Dawn's page. I'm actually on her page as we speak. And, um, you know, today, uh, Ava, she basically hosted the talk and, uh, you know, it was a Twitter conversation. They had a lot of amazing guests like Jamila uh, Lemieux, uh, Dr. Uh, Yusuf Salomon, um, Asha Bandel, um, uh, Rashad Robinson, literally like at least I think it, like like ten guests, and and they really were able to dig into the conversation and the talk, and and that's the great thing again about this show. Not only are we able to see these amazing visuals and these great storylines, but we're taking it a step further this season. So again, kudos to the whole Queen Sugar family for um, being more proactive and starting these conversations in the community where it counts. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, we've got to get to our big easy scene and get a little flavor of that Louisiana life. Yes, definitely. And I also just want to speak to Dr. Yusuf. Mm-hmm. He was one of the exonerated five. Exonerated five. Yes. Come on. Yes. I love how. Yes. Come on. Yes. Ava's bringing everybody together. Bringing everyone yeah. together. We're going to tackle this trauma. We're yeah. going to heal. We're yeah. going to get through this. So, we're going to talk about. Congo Square. Is that anyone familiar with the Congo Square in New Orleans? Mm, not New Orleans. No. All right. Okay. Well, let's get into it. So we're going to do a look back on African people's cultural effects on modern day New Orleans called the uh, Congo Square. Nice. So the early styles of song and dance dating back to the 18th century uh, in the Congo Square of New Orleans can be attributed to enslaved Africans. Uh, it's located in the historical Treme neighborhood, and it was the meeting point for several decades during the Spanish ruled era of New Orleans. Now. Enslaved Africans were able to gather and listen to traditional sounds, participate in conventional dance, and enjoy the taste of original African cuisine on the day of rest, which is Sunday. Um, fast forward, you know, centuries later, um, and even today, these uh, widely practices are extremely prevalent, prevalent, excuse me, in the richness and cultural heritage of the Crescent City. Now, ultimately, the gathering of enslaved Africans greatly impacted and helped shape the historical value of the Congo Square and furthered the city's cultural uh, landscape and its significant value because it made the Congo Square a popular location known around the world. So it's not just popular in New Orleans. It's like a worldwide destination. (laughs) Um, We didn't know. (laughs) Well, you know. (laughs) And it's also considered one of the distinct locations in the heart of the city that birthed what we now consider New Orleans jazz. Uh, So, you know, you have those contemporary African-based rhythm sounds, song and dance. And, you know, it can be seen and heard in brass bands, second line parades, which we've witnessed, uh, jazz funerals, and the Mardi Gras Indians. Um, Since... A little while now, the area has been renamed to the Louis Armstrong Park, oh, okay. but the original name is the Congo Square. And aside from the evolution of jazz and the Congo Square being synonymous, it also maintained the musical legacy and cultural traditions for centuries to come of our ancestors of the enslaved Africans. Nice. So, wow. Nice. Yes, definitely. So, yeah. Congo Square, Louis Armstrong Park. Yes. Nice. Well, nice. Birthplace of jazz. Yeah. That's where our, our, our people used to gather yeah. and do the drums and... On the day of rest, yes. Come on, culture, let's go. Let's go. Well, we got a little bit of time, so let's get our predictions in. Real quick, real quick. Let's do it. TV predictions. Let's go with Thelma. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start off that way. Okay, absolutely. She was um, thinking. 
thinking? Just thinking. Oh, I was, yeah, definitely thinking. I feel as though, um, I hope that Aunt Vi and Noah have a moment because I think that her just kind of coming to realization, sometimes you don't know how much certain situations have impacted you since you, again, the same theme throughout the episode, since you confront yourself and confront your truth. So I hope that she can now at least somewhat see where Nova might have been well-intentioned in terms of what it can actually do for people because the journey to freedom is very much treacherous. So I think that she's starting to see the light. You know what? I feel like life is tough. It's beautiful, but it's complex. And I feel like we're going to be pleasantly surprised that Disha is probably going to be understanding uh, Mm. to Ralph, Angel, and Darla. They're not reconnecting, but just the the friendship, the support system that they're establishing. Yeah. Yeah, I I do see Disha being somewhat understanding. um, But I I have to uh, beg to differ. I think that... um, Darla and Ralph Angel will always be in love with each other. Uh, and that's something that I've maintained and said this whole season Same. so far. Um, and, you know, I had to join the, 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 the wagon with my girl Thelma over here. Team, you unite the family. You know, yeah. like, that's, what, the that's family. what I'm all about. And, like, you know, you'll never forget your first love. Yeah. But I just hope that um, this is done in a healthy way. Well... I've been against them being together from you know that reveal, and then obviously I, I, I didn't think it would happen until this moment because he gave her something. I mean, she gave him something that would, in his mind, kind of like erase the hurt of that what happened. Because now it's really not your fault. It, you know, you it, it gave him enough to be able to forgive her in the way that he could forgive her to be with her. But before it was like mm-hmm. her fault. It was you know she had done this wrong to him. And then, of course, kept the secret. So I think this gives them a way to be together. Uh, but I do predict more heartbreak down the line for Rock. I think there's more to this story that's going to actually hurt him than than help it. Kudos to Ralph Angel, though, for his maturity and his growth. Okay? I was just, I just to say you that. Know, yeah. Let's give it up that for Ralph Angel. No, he, he, I think his I response was, nervous. was the right response. And yeah, he, I was a little nervous yeah. first. But I do think that was quite interesting. I wonder... You know, if she, if it was, if it was never played out to be this being the history behind it, if that same response could have been given, because I feel like it's still deserved. Mm. 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 We got more to talk about. We'll we'll see you guys in the comments. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, My name is Shaka Smith. You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Shaka Strong. Hey, y'all, it's your girl, Miss Candy Marie. You can find me on Instagram at Miss Candy Marie. And it's Dontara Terrell on all social media platforms. And it's Thelman Baysby Daniel at Thelman. See you guys next week. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.